Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, which is a special bonus episode for our election mini-series, Andrew and I sat down with Lisa Past, uh, who is a next-generation leader at the McCain Institute for International Leadership here at ASU. And Lisa is the former chief research officer at the cybersecurity branch of the Estonian Information System Authority, which means that she oversaw cybersecurity for elections in the country of Estonia. Well, I had the opportunity to sit down with Lisa over a coffee a few weeks ago, and she told me this incredible story about what can happen in terms of cybersecurity and elections and how the Estonian government dealt with a potentially critical cybersecurity threat to a local election and indeed to their entire system of digital identification, which is quite pervasive in Estonia. So in the middle of this coffee meeting, as I was getting ready to, uh, Andrew and I were finishing up the election series, I said, oh my goodness, we must have Lisa come onto the podcast. So that is what we did today, finally in it, um, with the European elections uh, happening and quite a bit of travel. It took until just now for us to actually have the conversation. Um, this conversation, I think you'll find, was fascinating and hits a lot of the pieces that we talk about in the Future Out Loud podcast, um, including cybersecurity, including risk and and information and disinformation and public trust. And it's just all there baked into this incredible experience from Estonia. Uh, As you listen to the podcast, I must apologize up front we did have a few technical difficulties so there are just there's a little bit of skipping and jumping um i you don't even want to know um but but we got the story in there so i really hope you enjoy it um before we get to it as always Thank you, thank you, thank you for being part of the Future Out Loud community and for joining us in listening to the podcast and for sharing the Future Out Loud podcast with your friends and colleagues. Um, This is it for our election mini-series. We will be coming back to you uh, in a little while with our next mini series which is going to be just a sneak preview on 5g technology so that will be a little bit later in the summer but if you're missing us before then well my goodness you can find all of our old episodes wherever you get podcasts so whether it's the apple podcast store or google play or um or soundcloud or stitcher or whatever you can find our podcast and subscribe to the future out loud podcast you can also check out our website future 
futureoutloud.org. You can uh, tweet at us. Uh, we are at Future Out Loud. Um, we do have a Facebook page, but we're not really on Facebook these days. Uh, so uh, Twitter works pretty well. And you can find more information about both Andrew and me um, at our university's website, sfis.asu.edu. So without further ado, on to Lisa Past and Estonian election security. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Heather. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Welcome to the decorous office from which we create our podcast. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so you are joining us. Well, you, you've been in Arizona at the McCain Institute, but you you come to us from Estonia. I do, and I my previous career was in strategic communication, and then I sort of pivoted into cybersecurity, working for the NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence, and then as a chief research officer for the Estonian Information System mm -hmm. Agency in their cyber branch. Okay. That is the kind of... Now, oftentimes when people pop up a center, I'm very dubious that the center actually has excellence to offer, but that sounds like the kind of center that you might want to put some stock in. Well, it, any of those centers, and particularly those NATO accredited ones, are built to be agile and to work with the talent and resource provided by the members okay. and fulfill requests by the members. Very good. So the NATO Centers of Excellence in particular work based on what's requested of them and how demanding their steering committees to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And and is it was it in that role then that you had the experience with the election in Estonia? that you were telling me about. We had a wonderful coffee, and you told me this unbelievable story. Oh, we're really, really having a really good conversation we yeah. already had here. Yeah. Uh, so I have this problem of poking at things that don't make sense to me. <laughs> okay, that's a good problem. And uh, when I had just started to work for the Information System Authority, a colleague who's very similar brought me along to meet the Estonian Elections Office and mm -hmm. talk to them about cybersecurity of election technology. Mm -hmm. And what I found out really quite quickly is that the security of the democratic infrastructure in the digital realm is done in a very similar way to the paper realm. Right. Mm -hmm which means it's cut into these discrete little things. Whereas since 2016, we know that the adversary is very agile and flexible and trying to pick all the lower hanging fruits mm -hmm. all at once yes. and, and seeing which of them fulfill their, uh, fulfill their objectives the best, which is how I became responsible for the more comprehensive risk assessment approach. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, Estonia is, a little special in that it's one of the few places that remote votes electronically okay. using a government-backed secure digital identity. Right. And you told you just told me and Andrew that you voted in the European elections from last night from Arizona. I, I did from my living room in Arizona. It took me about ninety seconds to download yep. that, enter um, the pin codes of my ID card. Yep. And you know. 
pick my candidate from a Tropical menu. And, and so Estonia is the only country that allows this sort of remote digital voting? That is based on government packed security. Okay, right, so there's okay, yes. others that uh, have either tried it or are currently introducing it with other types of authentication mm -hmm. uh, since they don't have that ecosystem sure, like Estonia yes. does. Yep. But uh, we're, we've done this since 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done this, this is the 11th election cycle. There's not been a single proven compromise. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, as far as the integrity of that goes, it matches up to what you expect of voting in any other way, mm -hmm. whether it's on election day in a polling station, whether it's having the ballot box brought to you should you not be able to go to a polling station, mm -hmm. uh, now remoting in an embassy or a consulate if you're overseas, and in our case then also voting using this iVoting app. Right on any and, internet connected and, computer, and and so just to be clear, then presumably all of the records are digital. There's no paper anywhere in the system. If you choose to vote digitally, okay. There's you you can and in the last elections, which is to Parliament this March, uh, about fifty five percent of people did vote. On the paper ballot, okay, forty-four right. you voted digitally. Yes. So it's very important for Estonia that it's digital isn't done at the cost of paper, mm -hmm, but it's yes. an additional opportunity. Yes. And it's an opportunity where cost per vote is a lot lower. I can imagine. So, so I, the reason I ask is obviously in in the states there is this adherence to the idea that that paper is the gold standard. That ultimately you never move away from paper. Um, which seems a little strange in a Verifiability digital age. Verifiability is the gold standard. Right, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. breaks down into two pieces. Yes. One is you know, your individual verifiability, which is on paper. Yep. You see that your ballot paper is stamped or envelope or whatever the procedure is. You drop it into a ballot box. You can observe that that's you know, properly sealed and the security right. is there. Mm -hmm. uh, in iVoting, you get the QR code where you can verify that that your vote's been right. recorded and how it's been recorded yep. uh, on a secondary device, which again is important because mm -hmm. if you if your device has been compromised, then using that to verify makes uh, limited sense. Right. Sure. And then the second part is universal verifiability, which is in the end, as a voter, regardless of how you vote, you have limited access to and limited understanding of unfortunately mm -hmm. you're going to have to trust either election observers the election management body combination of both of them mm -hmm. or in the case of technology an element of really complicated math comes in right uh, where for example again Estonian I voting accounts the votes twice, once cryptographically mixing them and the other time not, and then compares those two results, okay. Okay. which is where universal verifiability happens. Mm -hmm. yep. But it's it's important to note when it comes to elections in particular, it's a high stakes game mm -hmm. and you do, you do try to follow the best practice, but election fraud election meddling, any mm -hmm. of this isn't mm -hmm. a technical problem. It's a political problem sure. Yes, where technology is yet another sphere. So you have to make sure that your technology fulfills that you know, free, fair, open 
elections course, criteria. Yes. 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 But there's never 100% security. Hi there, it's Heather. So this is where we ran out of space on the memory card and our recording stopped abruptly. Well, we realized pretty quickly and picked it back up to talk about the specific case of the Estonian election that was almost compromised because of a problem with the firmware in the digital ID card. So that's where we rejoined the conversation. Okay, so that's exactly, Lisa, the case that you were telling me about with the election uh, that n very nearly could have been undermined. Hypothetically, theoretically, mathematically, cryptographically, yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as you know, has been emphasized already, our elections rely on the digital secure digital government packed identity that mm -hmm. you know, thousands of services by the last reliable account that I saw five or six thousand services both public and private rely on right mm -hmm. uh, so well, and just to be clear so for listeners because this is a, a visual would be great but it's an ID card with a, a chip in it it's a chip and pin solution mm -hmm. it's an mm -hmm. ID card and then Basically, it's the government's way of saying, just like we say the person carrying this ID in the kinetic world yes. is this person, the person having this chip and pin, and you as the owner of that have to take care that only you have access to that and you don't you know, mm -hmm. tattoo your pin code onto your ID card, mm -hmm. at least not in permanent Sharpie. Right. Uh, so it's a government's way of saying we're backing it up that the person who has you know, has what they have, which is the card, and knows what they know, which is the PIN codes, mm -hmm. is the person they claim to be. Yes. And that has two layers. There's the authentication layer, which is a short uh, a PIN code. Mm -hmm. And then there's the digital signature layer, mm -hmm. which is a longer PIN code, and which is a legally binding signature for contracts, for bank transfers, for your doctor to do a digital prescription, right? It's, and, it's and, all the same. And, and so this is actually really important. So this is a, a pin and chip system that cuts across society. This is not just about voting, but oh, it identifies not. who you are. And yes. and this is a technology that's not specific to Estonia. Yep. In its core, yes. There's about two billion of the exactly same chip out there. Okay. Some of them are in identity documents. Estonia has six had six or seven thousand six or seven hundred thousand of those that were government-backed uh, ID. Mm -hmm. uh, other passports and ID documents around the world also use it, but, use it, but so do ATM cards, okay. uh, workplace access okay. cards, yep. mm -hmm. and the same chip is also embedded into security modules of computing systems. Okay. Okay. Yep. And on the chip, and I apologize for the very quick lecture, there's three layers on the physical chip. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a firmware, mm -hmm. Uh, which is pre-installed by the vendor and you have very little control over it and that includes a few crypto libraries. Okay. This mm -hmm. one had several, which becomes important mm -hmm. later in our story. Then the, there's the operating system, which you choose from what's available on the market. Mm -hmm. And there's a few that are industry standard and then the application can be custom developed and ours was. Okay. Uh, we your PIN code and your private key 
get generated on the chip. Okay. The chip, mm-hmm. People forget the chip isn't a data medium. It's actually a really slow and not very clever computer. Right. Okay. Uh, and that way you take out the communication risks. Mm-hmm. You never move the private key through any channel. Sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's generated on the chip and it's uh, stored on the chip. Yep. It's that's a little slower, but it's it's considered more secure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And our key generation relied on the RSA crypto library, which is not the oldest one, one of the industry standards should be again best practice of the industry. Yep. Uh, well, it turns out that there's a lazy implementation of the RSA library in the firmware. Okay. Two mm-hmm. layers below what we have any say in. And essentially, the randomness of the private key generation runs out of randomness. Uh. Okay. Whoops. Uh, it's not detrimental mm-hmm. at this point. We find out from academics that call some of my colleagues and say, so you're really busy right now. This is late August. Mm -hmm. Europe in August is nice and pleasant and not very busy. Mm -hmm. You're already busy right now. The guy says, well, you know, I did. I do have this new summer house and they just I'm riding my bike a lot. And they go, no, I mean, at work. And he goes, no, you know, I'm at the summer house. I'm working remotely. They go, "Uh, what's a secure channel? Mm-hmm. So this is a case of where the vulnerability was most likely known to others. Okay. But it's an academic research group out of the Masaryk University in the Czech Republic that actually did the responsible thing. And before going into print, before mm-hmm. going into publication, and you know, I hope they get a lot of really good peer-reviewed work out <laughs> of this, because they, God knows, deserve it. <laughs> they also disclosed to those they knew to be affected. Sure, yes, yes. Uh, so that's, and that's where we got notification from. Yeah, they so how, how did they find that out in the first place? This was just part of their research, just And their research the is in the fundamental crypto. Their research okay. is, isn't into any of the implementation. Okay, so they just knew then that the library had this this flaw in it, yes. And they happened to, through our guy and them having worked together in the open source community Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently shared um, a bear or two in the process of (laughs) doing that, there was that sort of relationship of trust there. Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, we're good guys, he's a good guy, Mm -hmm. let's give him a courtesy call. That's really what saved us. And this all also happens about six weeks before local elections start. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it takes a while to understand and be able to in any way quantify the risk. We know it's not, the timeline isn't tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that there isn't, no, that vulnerability isn't well known yet. Mm Uh, we know that it's not scalable. You have to, and it's asymmetric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what? Even if there was an exploit and the technical tools and the computing power, you can crack the private key mm-hmm. one by one, yes. and it still takes remarkable amount of computing power. Sure. So it's yes. not cheap. It's not easy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And at this point the complex, complicated, and expensive doesn't exist. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So okay. it's theoretical, but also the moment 
mm-hmm. we have even a proof of concept of this working we have to basically revoke all the certificates yes uh, so often ecosystem that relies on it uh, there is a secondary token mm-hmm. in the form of a crypto sim card mm-hmm. but uh, about 10% of users actually have it. Okay, okay right. Uh, and uh, that's because that's the telcos provide that as a service and that comes at the grand cost of one euro a month. Okay. okay. So two cups of coffee per year. Right. Yeah. Of fancy dessert like coffee. <laughs> uh, also, not every system has is fully integrated with a secondary right. uh, token. And not every critical system is integrated. So we know that it's a race of timelines. It's a race of timelines mm-hmm. of when we have a fix and when there will be an exploit. Sure. It's a happy story. We did have a fix. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay. Yes, uh, Just yeah, because anybody's alert, getting worried. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, uh, but in between those two timelines, mm-hmm. there's the elections. Yes. yes. Uh, and we know that great majority of votes are cast using the, f- the card, not the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that's when we had to go to the El- Elections Commission. And in Estonia, that's a non-political body. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. judges, prosecutors, auditors, uh, someone from the Ombudsman's office, state chancellery, mm-hmm. and the parliament's office. Yep. Okay. So it's... Uh, Ex officio non political expert mm-hmm. body. Yep. And they their job is to oversee the elections and then the National Elections Office is the operational actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and said, listen, uh, there's a risk. We don't know the timeline. If the risk materializes, it's detrimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know how or when. Yep. Uh, but if we don't do anything, mm-hmm. it will. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look at us and say, that's great, but we're lawyers and we cannot work in the hypothetical. Right. right. So make sure that we're keeping this channel of communication open, but you need to have something that's more quantifiable okay. and more certain than, you know, there's a risk and if it happens, it's detrimental, but we don't yet know right. how, when, or whether. Yep. So. Amazingly, Estonia also decided to go public in less than a week. I believe we got notification on a Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday the following week, the Prime Minister, the Minister responsible for Digital Affairs, mm-hmm. and then the Chief Executive, so the Director Generals of both the Police Board, who owns the identity mm-hmm. and who's mm-hmm. in charge mm-hmm. of identity, and the information system authority that deals with the digit some of the digital identity aspects hold a press conference mm-hmm. and basically share mm-hmm. what there is. Wow. So wow. And, and what was their thinking? Uh, par- great part of it is um, this aggressive transparency. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. Um, yep. A part of it is, you know, we're gonna tell it how it is. We yep, did that okay. in 2007 when Estonia was mm-hmm victim of the first known sort of politically motivated large-scale cyber offensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is Estonia's 600,000 cards 
a really small share of those two billion out there. Okay, uh-huh. yes. So we're not in this alone. If we isolate ourselves, we are. Sure, yes. Uh, of course, there's always the question of, did you really need to have the prime minister at the table? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a question that did get asked. Mm-hmm. But what I know is that with that communication, we then didn't have like a tsunami wave of mm-hmm. someone else offering a competing interpretation because someone else needs to wants to get into the picture. Sure, And yes. that allowed us as one of the agencies involved in the effort to figure this out, to really concentrate on our work. Mm-hmm. Uh, now my colleagues on the technical side were very deep into their ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could really pull together a big sort of collaborative task force to look at the issue comprehensively. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything from right making sure that our diplomats, who, you know, for whom this is one of the tools they always talk about mm-hmm. when promoting Estonia, mm-hmm. had the up-to-date information to working with the different stakeholders so that we know if they have business continuity planning. You know, right. What if we had to uh, revoke the certificates, what would they do? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Would they, you know, could the doctors still do prescriptions? Right. Mm, yes, uh, yes. So, so, and this is what makes it so fascinating to me that it, this is not just about the election. It, it affects every, every, that's right, yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple things that, that allowed us to technically overcome this. Amazingly, if trust's judged by behavior, which I think mm-hmm. it should be, the use of the ID card didn't suffer, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a pretty good indicator of trust. Yep. And that's I think yeah. that's actually up to the open sure. open communication because you can't speculate if the facts are in front of you. It's yes. harder to right. speculate. Yep. Well, but let me ask this question, just pragmatically, are there, are there ways for Estonian citizens to go about their daily business without using the identity card? Oh, oh, of course. You okay. can do everything on paper. Okay. There's a few things that you need to actually show up and do. Okay. Uh, marry, divorce, which mm-hmm. for parity's sake makes sense, mm-hmm. and uh, buy and sell property. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, everything else, you get the choice. There's a few things that are primarily digital. Okay. But the principle there is that you need to, it's an option, okay. not a compulsion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a good example would be registering you know, a birth and then naming the child. Okay. Uh, I've heard that that's a really stressful time in a person's life when you have a newborn. Right. Well, because you're not sleeping. And, and, and getting both yeah. of the parents to show up to the municipal office to say, yep, we did this and that's its name. Yes. Uh, yeah. Can be tricky. Yeah, as a former new mother, I can tell you that would not be a thing for me. So, so showing up in a place, yeah. <laughs> right, so, so if instead you can show up digitally and yeah. you don't have to do it together, yeah, uh, then it it's a lot easier, and you mm. can still go and register the birth and and get the kids' documentation get mm-hmm. taken care of in person, mm-hmm. but you have that option of right. You know, both of the parents 
log in uh-huh. and say, yep, I was part of this miracle okay. happening and that's their name. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the hospital sent the basic data already into the population registry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with taxes, um, a high 90s percentage of people files taxes uh, wow. digitally. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's very quick. It's almost as quick as voting if it's wow. all pre-filled. Right. Okay. Uh, but you can do it in person. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you said what? Fifty-five percent of Estonians vote digitally on paper. Forty-five. Forty-four-ish. Vote on paper. Okay. And we'll see what that number is in mm-hmm. the European elections. Yes. Okay. Yep. We'll know that within a week from today. Okay. Uh, but it's a question of convenience. Mm-hmm. What we know from research done at Tartu University, at the Schütte Institute of Political Science, is that an I-voter is an average voter. In other words, okay. the, you know, demographics, education, not necessarily even computer mm-hmm. literacy, predicts how you'd vote. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, your return trip to the voting station mm-hmm. does count. So okay. it's, a, yes. it's a matter of convenience. If it's longer than half an hour, you're more likely mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would suggest that it's quite evenly spread and no one's advantaged or disadvantaged by mm-hmm. I voting. Uh, and it really is a question of convenience. Okay. That same research group, now they've looked into sort of stickiness of voting, yes. would suggest that I voting's a little stickier. Mm-hmm. Really? You're, you know, the dynamic is, if you're a voter, mm-hmm. then you'll vote either on paper or you're like you're I you you'll I vote. Yes. And there isn't a big no, I voting doesn't bring new groups to mm-hmm. voting by okay. itself. You yep. need to do special outreach for yes. that. Yes. Yep. It's not you build it and they'll come. It's uh, the ones who've always been coming will come. Right. Yep. Uh, but then. An I voter is less likely to not vote in the next okay, election. Okay, right, right. So, so it is slightly okay. stickier. That is exactly opposite what the conventional wisdom is here in America. Is we've got this culture of showing up at the polls. Yes. And if somebody shows up at the polls, they're more likely to show up at the polls again. So it's so well, interesting. Mm. Well, but a voter is a voter, but then. It's with I voting. It's even stickier. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm. I don't know if anybody's looked at that in, in America. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. 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 And, and that research also suggests because there is, one of the lines of argumentation for I voting is you know let's I vote because then, the Instagram generation will come and vote and they'll suddenly start to care about democracy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't appear to be the case at least in Estonia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you. People care about voting if they care about the issues. They care about voting mm-hmm. if they care about the the candidates. Right. Yes. Uh, and they don't vote just because it's convenient. And right. Okay. Vote. Yes. They vote mm-hmm. because because they, they care. care. Yes. 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 Yep. yep. Oh wow! And so, as far as you can tell, there was no drop in trust and trust examine or you know trust uh, evaluated by use of the system. There was no yeah. dropping wow. trust. If anything, we, as again, would make sense, saw an increase in those 
who activated the secondary token, so also okay. carried. Mm-hmm. The so they were trying token. to protect themselves. But so so just to follow the story on, so this this vulnerability was found. Um, it was um, discussed and talked about in public, um, but. Was there any way around the the vulnerability? That's what we did, yes. actually. So elections happen. There's no proof of there having been a compromise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all legitimate. But we know that eventually there would right, be. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're still racing in that. Okay. Having mm-hmm. a fix before. Yes, but, but, but just yeah. with that, that election, you just crossed your fingers and you hoped that nothing would happen. We constantly monitored. And if he had any reason to believe that, Mm-hmm. A breach would have happened or would have been likely. Mm-hmm. There's you know, a very quick system in place that then looks at how that impacts elections and okay. what needs to happen. Sure, yes. Okay. Uh, the highest court has to hear the case within any election case within days. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and given that I voting happens closes four days before election day, mm-hmm. you get that little bit of a buffer mm-hmm. if there is. Yeah. compromise there's never been but if there is yeah. okay uh, so in this uh, race um, we cannot change anything in the firmware mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and frankly even if we could that would mean that we'd lose their certification of course yes uh-huh. yep. uh, which is um, not optimal if you want to maintain it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to find almost a bypass. Right, yes. Uh, we, a few things were working in our favor once you know, the dust had settled and we could uh, really yep. start to figure it out. First, there's several crypto libraries on in the firm. Okay, mm-hmm. right. So the fix uh, bypass the faulty library and you regenerated your private key based on the elliptical curves. Oh, great, okay, okay, yes. Yep. Which is a little more dynamic, but mm-hmm. it's still, you know, it's industry best practice. So, but, but that's really important. So effectively, there's redundancy built in. You've, you've got multiple ways in which you can generate and, that. And there's, yes. there's okay, a couple yes. other redundancies mm-hmm. there. There's also, just like with any other technology, we do have a remote updating possibility. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and usually it would be for you know, things on the chip, mm-hmm. but you can also remotely update anything else on the chip. Okay. That's technically and legally possible. Yep. Okay. And finally, technically that would be, is easy, but legally mm. we've uh, foreseen a possibility to uh, not revoke the certificates right away mm-hmm. but suspend it okay oh. so you cannot use them but they're not invalid okay okay uh, which helped because by the time we had a fix we did exactly that mm-hmm. uh, we suspended the certificates so we no longer can use the old ones mm-hmm. for anything else than to log in and update okay. and regenerate okay the new one for sure. yourself, the new mm-hmm. private keys yes uh, of both the signing and authentication mm-hmm. yes, based yep. on the new crypto library. Yep. Uh, so there's that flexibility mm-hmm. uh, was never designed in there with, you know, there's a fundamental crypto floor and the sky is falling mm-hmm. because industry has completely failed at providing that consistency and security. Mm-hmm. But the pieces were in place to, to have a bit of right. agility and flexibility. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That is fascinating. Yeah, but to me it's so impressive that you've got a system that even though it wasn't designed that way, 
it was sufficiently um, robust in its design that you could actually sort of switch it over to a, another mode of working effectively and do that remotely. I mean, some people would argue that mm. because we'd had to hack democratic governance together on a shoestring project. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, we've, we've had to be creative. Yes, yep. Uh, but, but for me, it's also the question of, you no, know, you can't, doing systematic security by, by design is too late. Yes. Right, yes, yes. It's, yes. Uh, and doing systematic security by impact is way too late and mm, becomes really yes, expensive. Yes, yes. So yep. post-event audits and all of that is great. Yep. But, no, you need to start to think about it before. Yep. Of course. Yep. Uh, there's a lecture in which Herblin makes a great point about how security needs to be part of scoping mm -hmm. and uh, and sort of specifications. Yeah. And that's true mm -hmm. because security and usability are each other's costs. Right. Yes. yes and each of other's alternative costs. Yes. And when you come to government technology it's it's very easy to get the way with you know these mm -hmm. visionary views of how we'll all mm. deal with something mm -hmm. yep but security has to always be part of the thinking of course yes yes, yes. yes. yeah and it's helped Estonia that uh, I will think grown slowly yeah oh okay in 2005 less than two percent of all voters uh, used that okay. opportunity mm -hmm. okay we for full free election cycles thought that it sort of plateaued or peaked at 33 percent mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. uh, 31 32 was the case for free elections in a row yes. so then the 44 uh-huh uh, in March, uh, parliamentary elections mm -hmm. yep. was uh, quite a surprise. Oh, yep. wow. yeah, yeah. So, and that's where it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with the European elections. Then, whether you're yes. continuing to push things out. Because was this event? Was this around those? Wh which election was this event? That's around? the local elections of uh, fall 2017. 2017, and okay. that's still we had about 32 percent of voters. I okay. uh, Okay, got it. So we'll see what what this week's election brings mm. in terms of penetration of i voting, and I, you know it'll be. I'll be interested to see if the sort of um, built and reinforced trust with transparency and communication maybe uh, yields some more uptake in i voting. And that's particularly interesting because. European politics mm -hmm. and the political discourse, just mm -hmm. like here, has definitely moved further from the polite center. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so, whether the pol general air of sort of lack of trust in political discourse mm -hmm. or a higher level of finger pointing in political discourse, mm -hmm. whether that actually then translates back to lack of trust in the infrastructure as well right politics yes yeah yeah watch yeah. this space wow so you voted you're all I set did. but here you were telling us earlier you can change your vote you can <laughs> revote you can so revote. the, the okay. biggest way you know, once you have the identification be taken care of yes mm -hmm. which we have with the id card uh the biggest difference between then voting in a polling station on election mm -hmm. day and voting from an internet connected computer anywhere 
is the level of controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Uh And if you don't allow for that, coercion and vote buying just becomes tempting for bad actors. So to mitigate that, Mm -hmm. you can recast your I vote however many times you want. Uh Uh, and only the latest vote counts. Okay. Yeah. And because they're effectively votes in a digital double envelope, mm-hmm. uh, that's the outer envelope is signed by your digital signature. Yes. And you authenticate with your first, your shorter pin number, mm-hmm. so the authentication yes. mechanism. Yep. Uh, those digital envelopes are not opened until the evening of election day. Yep. Oh, okay. So okay. they're stored... So nobody knows what nobody the voting knows. is like. At yes. no point yes. can your vote... The fact of your voting right. can yeah. be known. Yes. yes. But at no point can anyone connect your vote and you. Right, so okay. So your political preference mm-hmm. and, and yes. you. Yep. And that's why they all get... The, the votes get stored mm-hmm. and then transfer to a secure offline system where okay. the outer red envelopes are stripped and takes about less than an hour mm-hmm. uh, to strip all of the outer envelopes and then again move fr- to a new system for mm-hmm. counting. Right, okay. yes. Uh, for, yep. for tally. Yep. And up until that point, mm-hmm. if for some reason you decide that you want to vote on paper or change your vote on paper, mm-hmm. if you vote on paper, then that transfers back. Okay, okay, so it's all linked together. That's actually not true. It's mm. only oh. if you vote on paper in pre-voting. Okay, oh, right, okay, right, okay, right. Let's edit all of that out. So, so you have many options. Okay. It's one of those things where yeah. people have been telling me long enough for me to have looked it up and know that people are wrong. Yes, <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing, is that election processes are so complex there are so many permutations of what a voter might do and how in in our effort to make voting as accessible as possible we've created so many pathways for voters that a, quite a bit of misinformation and i term it misinformation not um disinformation not intentional disinformation but misinformation can arise mm-hmm. from the most well-intentioned sources oh absolutely and that, that's universal around the world of course uh, and and there's with the mis and disin for the big issue there is mm-hmm. actually how do you know who's whispering in your ear? That's right. Uh, in you know, a democratic society, all whispering is equal. Mm-hmm. The all whispering mm-hmm. that's backed by evidence is equal to all whispering that's mm-hmm. backed by evidence. But you need to know who's talking to you, and that's, that's really me. that's really the big discussion when it comes to social media. Yes, that's been the case in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, with Brexit. Uh, I think that's a mess that's still being uh, oh, figured yes. out. Goodness me, I think yes. there's a fourth vote this week. Woo-hoo. Is there? That's what I saw. Uh, uh, and what would the, the options on the table be? <laughs> Who <laughs> right. knows? Yes. Who knows? Yes. Oh, yes. poor Theresa May, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't care what you think about her. This poor human at this point. But 
anyway. We should have a separate issue. podcast on Brexit. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. That would, that's more likely to be someone's instantaneous PhD thesis at this point. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. How and to just destroy imagine, a country. Yes. Just imagine <laughs> if, you know, if the UK, imagine if voters in the UK could cast new votes up until voting day because they had a robust <laughs> right. voting system. We might not even be in this Brexit situation today. Yes. So Lisa, thank you so much for being with us and, and for coming here to Arizona and to the McCain Institute. I can't speak for the McCain Institute, but um, for spending time, you know, in our system, learning and sharing your experiences. It's been great fun. And I have to say being on a campus as big as ASU's, mm-hmm there's there's the questions that as governments no one has good answers to mm-hmm. yes how would you do supply chain of critical information infrastructure yes um there happens to be a whole business school that's really good at that <laughs> right stuff. that's right, right. That's uh, exactly how right. do you manage risks how do you introduce new technologies in a secure way and where's the balance of security and innovation yes mm-hmm. so there's a lot of big thinkers on mm-hmm. these issues yeah i've really enjoyed it good that's good. Cool. wonderful well we're glad to have you and come back anytime oh i will do <laughs> thank, thank you. you for more where that came from check out the school for the future of innovation and society at sfis.asu.edu Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Hare created our music. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine podcasts.